when I first started it, it was very much in kind of opposition to other companies that I had seen before. I didn't know what I wanted it to be, but I knew what I didn't want it to be. And the first thing was when we were at Alcerna, we got to work with, got to work with a lot of large management consulting firms saw how a lot of those projects went and saw how people were treated and the incentives and everything involved. And I think the first thing that I wanted to bring to companies is somebody that they could actually trust. I really thought that we could do better, provide more value, better outcomes for 10% or less of the cost. And that's proving to be true. Hey, my name's Matt, and this is the Achieve and Enjoy podcast, where we're going to explore the relationship between work and happiness, achievement and joy and success and contentment. We're going to do that in a few different ways. We're going to share our own stories as we go through and do different things. And also we're going to interview people that we have found really interesting and that seem happy. A lot of them you've probably never heard of. So for episode number one, my co-founder Josh is, is going to do the interviewing. <laughs> for those listening, Josh waved. Yeah, so why don't we start off and go through your background and how did you get to the point that you're currently all the way from the beginning and, and how your career path took you down this road? I'll, I'll start at the end. Right now, what we're working on, so I'm the founder of, of Pod2 and we're a, a hybrid multi-niche calm company is, is how we're currently describing it, I think, where we help companies and people do a better job both for their pocketbook and people. We do that in a few different ways, consulting and tech, and we'll talk about that later. I got here because, you know, when I first came out of college and was in grad school, I started working for a huge company, like 11,000 people. It took me about six months to start hating it and then worked my way out of that and joined a startup in 2013, energy software startup. And that's where you and I met, obviously, on my first day, Josh. There was like eight or nine people in the office, I think 20 people in the whole company. And that was super, super fun. So that was the point where I realized, oh, like work doesn't have to be like shitty and you can like the people that you work with. And I don't know, we were doing a great job. Like the market was perfect for us and making a lot of money, growing the company, having a lot of fun doing it. Like all of that was awesome. Yeah. Um, that company grew and got bought and did some buying. And just as it grew, I found myself just enjoying it less and less. And so in 2019, I bailed and started pod two initially on my own, but then a year and a half later, you joined and started the tech side of the business. And yeah, there's a lot more that we could add in there, but that's the, that's the short version. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what made you really want to get into this topic specifically of trying to make work suck less? I think I just, after experiencing how awesome and fun and fulfilling it could be while also being financially very successful, I wanted to figure out how to do that more and help more companies do that because mm -hmm. it seems like so many people are very miserable because of decisions made for nothing but money. Uh, yeah. and I, and I really believe that there's, there's a way to have both. Maybe I'm greedy or naive, but I want to have both significant financial success and I want to be happy along the way. Yeah. And, and maybe I can jump in here with, with my background and how I got to this point too. So yeah. like Matt said, both at a, at a college university worked for bigger companies. So we kind of knew exactly how that environment functioned. And when we worked together at, at a smaller startup, we really, really enjoyed it. And 
felt like that could be a good way to spend a lot of their our careers. And for me, just going through that experience and seeing it degrade over time, it made me really want to get back to that place. And so I spent some time living in Houston and then Calgary. And what really stood out to me in, in Calgary, especially, is the amount of people that were living for the weekend that they would spend all the week kind of miserable about work. And then they would just, as, as soon as the weekend hit, they would get out to Banff or Canmore or something, and they just wanted to leave. And part of that, I think, is really associated with just the whole lifestyle and work there. And for me, that was something I wanted to get away from. Not too many people stick around Houston for long weekends either, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, part of that is like, you just want to enjoy your weekend too. But I want to enjoy every day. I don't want it to be this binary thing where you kind of suffer through the week and then on the weekend, you get to enjoy your time. I want to enjoy every day. So how can I figure out a, a career where that that's possible? And so that's really what took me away from the company I worked at and joining you at Pod2. That's why I'm passionate about this. And I think a lot of other people are in situations like that where they're either trying to figure out how to enjoy their current role more, which is totally okay. You don't have to always leave your job to find something else. It's not necessarily the case. But if you do want to find something else, then I think there are a lot of people that are looking for that kind of encouragement or they would like to know that it's actually possible to do that and come out the other side of it. So that's yeah. why I'm really interested in learning more about how other people have done that. Since you've had your son, have, has that added a layer of importance to this or has that changed things for you? Absolutely. Just having the freedom every day to be able to do what I want. I was able to take this morning and go out for a walk with my son. And yeah. it's a Monday morning. So if I was working a normal career path in a regular office job, that's just not something I could ever do. Yeah. So incredibly fortunate to be able to do that, obviously. And, and I know that's definitely a privilege and I totally appreciate that. I think one piece that's interesting about it is like I work closer to like normal hours during the day. I take breaks and, and all that stuff. But one thing like it started when we had our first daughter in 2015. And I, I know a lot of people that were really successful in their career, but have regrets about how they were as a father or as a husband and, and all that stuff. I didn't want to have to give up both or either one. Obviously, the priority is a family first. And so if there's going to be something sacrificed, it'll be my work. But I believe that you can have both. And, and one of the reasons that I think it matters that you're happy at work is so that even if you do work 10, 12 hours during a day or, or a normal schedule, like if you're burnt out and miserable, like you're going to be a worse dad or mom or husband, brother, like any of that stuff. Exactly. For me, it's not so much about work-life balance, but more how do you make both work together? It's not that you're pulling time away for, from one for the other or anything like that. It's, it's trying to find something that just works in, in general. Maybe there's a bit of a subtle difference there, but that's that's the idea for me. And And I think people think about nothing but time with work-life balance too, which is yes. kind of interesting. And, and if you think about it with energy instead of time, even if you only have, you know, 90 minutes per day with your kid, if you're burnt mm -hmm. out and stressed and pissed off during that 90 minutes, then it's worthless. Might as well be yeah. zero. But if you're present and having fun with them and like, you can have a great relationship with your kid with that kind of stuff. Can we switch topics a little bit and go into what we're doing with pod two can you explain the background of pod two i know that you gave a brief intro to it but can you go a little bit deeper into it and how does it actually function as a company what are the different components of it when i first started it it was very much in kind of opposition to other companies that i had seen before 
Like I didn't know what I wanted it to be, but I knew what I didn't want it to be. And the first thing was when we were at Alcerna, we got to work with, (laughs) got to work with a lot of large management consulting firms and Mm -hmm. saw how a lot of those projects went and saw how people were treated and the incentives and everything involved. And I think the first thing that I wanted to bring was to companies as somebody that they could actually trust. I really thought that we could do better, provide more value better outcomes for 10% or less of the cost. And that's proving to be true, which is awesome. But that was the anti-consultant was kind of the beginning. And then as we talked over that first year, year and a half after I had started it, we talked about how do we avoid some of the same problems that we've heard that other software companies run into. One part that sucks is having to grow every single quarter, no matter what. So you have investors, you have bosses, you have these pressures to sell things. You also have this idea that a lot of startups have an exit strategy. So there's a life that they're going to end, which mm-hmm. is their company's heart, which which I think kind of sucks. But that's the goal for a lot of people. And if the goal is financial and that's it, that's, that's fine. Like no judgment, but that's just not what we're wanting to do. The other piece that was tough is if you only have one software, one revenue stream, then you have to make every problem fit that product. Right. And sales get harder that starts to push you ethically on trying to push things into places where it doesn't really fit and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so I think especially over the last year, I think we've gotten a lot more clarity into this is firmly a hybrid business where we're doing consulting and we've got a software arm and both of those things are going to operate really kind of as a portfolio where we've got multiple offerings that provide high amounts of value for the cost. So I know we've got whatever metrics on, on some of that stuff, but I think something that I realized when it was a few weeks ago, I was talking to somebody and I told them about this podcast. I told them about the book that I wrote. They already knew about the leadership development work. They knew about the software. Mm -hmm. They knew about all these things. They know that we're a small four and a half person shop. They're like, how, like, why, how are you just doing all of this different stuff? And at first I was like, oh, it's not that much. And then I took a step back and I was like, holy shit, we're doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And and I thought about like, are we actually spread too thin? Like, are we doing too many different things? And, and I came back after thinking about that for a while with a resounding no, it's all connected. I think one thing that's a little unique about us is that we really hyper-focus on the basics, the fundamentals. And so those fundamental principles that apply across multiple areas. I think that's one thing that helps us do a really good job in what seem like disconnected markets. The other one is that I think we're really fucking efficient. I think tolerance for nonsense is really, really low. Yeah. We just don't waste time on stuff unless we want to, which I think isn't a waste. And I think we've got an interesting setup. So what really guides the the entire vision of the company? I mean, our core purpose is to remove suffering from work. And that can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. But then we've got our principles that we've agreed to that I kind of started whenever I was trying to figure out what kind of leader I wanted to be, what kind of person I wanted to be, and started documenting the lessons that I learned over the years. But I think that's a big guiding light for us. I know I see us pulling up our list of principles when we're struggling with a decision or not sure what to do or, or different things like that. Yeah, I really like the principles. Just having that list and being able to, as a team, keep looking back to it and use it as a reference for decisions that we're making just to guide everything that we do, what we're doing daily or weekly, or we have 90-day intentions too. We constantly look back at the principles and what kind of company do we want to be. And the other 
part of the principles that they're not static, they, they are dynamic. So we can go in and, and change them anytime. And that's actually a pretty healthy thing to do. I would think yeah. uh, just going back in and saying, does this principle still make sense? And this situation came up and didn't really feel right to follow this principle anymore. Maybe we can tweak it, or maybe we just need to remove it entirely and replace it with something else. But I really like that idea. When I joined pod two, I thought that was great. And I added my own set of tech focused principles onto that list, but it's definitely been kind of like a guiding light for all the software and projects that we worked on. Yeah. And I think here in a few episodes, I'm going to go through our purpose-driven planning framework with how we plan the company. It's how we plan projects, products, meetings, it's how to plan anything basically, which I really like. And it keeps growing and growing over the years. Like if anybody has seen the purpose-driven planner tool that Josh built, like it's basically that, but that rabbit hole goes, goes really deep. And I don't know, I'm excited to see all the different places that that pops up and, and it just works, right? With the leadership development stuff, with consulting, with the product, with, you know, I don't know. It's obvious that we're onto something that's universally like applicable and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And so it'll be great to cover that in a future episode. Why don't we talk about what this podcast is some more? So what are we hoping to get out of this podcast? Who might be interested in this podcast? Anybody that at least has a piece of hope that work doesn't have to be miserable is one, especially people that are actively exploring like, okay, how do I enjoy success and fix my mindset around accomplishment? That's one thing that I've always struggled with is if I'm not productive or if I'm not accomplishing something, I don't feel good about myself. And that's something that I'm trying to sort out because you can take it too far the other way and become lazy and not do the things that you really do want to do. So finding that kind of balance, that kind of stuff. I think anybody that has ambition but doesn't want to sacrifice their happiness and or other really important things in order to achieve whatever your version of success is. Would you say they have to be any kind of particular role in the company? Is it for managers or individual contributors? No. Or? This podcast is not overly like planned out. It's not like a super strategic thing that we're trying to do to drive engagement for whatever offering. I want to explore this idea also and learn more about it and do more with it and, and help individuals like figure out how to be happier and learn from other people too. So, I mean, we're committing to 10 or so episodes to start and we'll see where it goes, see what feedback's like, see if we enjoy doing this. I'm going to interview some people, share things that we've learned over the years, all, all that stuff. But I really think it's for anybody that thinks that achievement and happiness don't have to be in conflict with each other. What makes this podcast unique compared to some of the other podcasts out there? I know some podcasts, for example, they cover similar topics, but what's different about this one? I don't know. Nobody's unique and everybody's unique, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think one Fair. part of it is like, it's us. And so we've got mm -hmm. our own set of unique experiences that we're going to bring into it. Another piece is that we're not hashtag content creators, <laughs> right? Like we, we, we create content, we do things like we're active on social and all of that stuff, but we are in the real world doing real things. I'm helping companies. You're building software that companies buy and <laughs> like we're doing, we're doing real stuff in the real world. Right. And we're also sharing lessons and interviews and stuff, which I think is good. One, one of the parts I liked is how. A lot of the people that, that you're talking about bringing on to the podcast, they don't have kind of like a social media voice. A, a lot of them yeah. aren't people that you would recognize, you know, if you've, you've seen them on LinkedIn or something like that, they just don't have that kind of profile on social media. But I know that they're 
really interesting people because I've gotten to meet some of them before and they have a lot of unique insights. So for me, I'm, I'm personally really interested in hearing how they got to the point that they're at in their career, what they went through. A lot of the experiences I feel like I can really relate to, especially at the point I'm at currently. Yeah. And I mean, one of the first episodes is with one of my most formative mentors and yes. fascinating guy. I don't think he's ever posted a word on the internet. Yes. <laughs> and if he has, it was because some marketing person told him that he had to. Uh, so his like real stuff that he's done hasn't been shared. And I think that part's really interesting. The other reason that I think this is going to be unique is that typically there's people that are hustle porn, grind set, make all the millions of dollars that you can. And then mm -hmm. there's the other side of it that it's super woo woo. And if anybody says anything that hurts a feeling, then, then we're all in trouble and like too soft on the people side and, mm -hmm. and act like money's a bad word. And I think that's what's unique about this podcast. I think it's what's unique about our company is that we're, we're focused on finding the harmony between both, right? We want to be successful, whatever that means, whether it's money or impact or whatever else, but also happiness and good mental health and balance and stuff like that. And it's right in the title, right? Like that's, is that where the title came from? Yeah, exactly. That's the point. And on the logo, like we bolded the word and because it's the and mm -hmm. is I think the difference. Definitely can relate to that. And it's too easy to get caught up on just one side of the equation. And if you listen to some of the podcasts, it's all about just achievement and you need to bring yourself out as hard as possible for as long as possible. And then you can enjoy it at the end. For a lot of people, that's very, very late in their life. And you kind of look back and I don't know, I don't want to have any regrets about my life based on career choices. I, I just want to be able to enjoy life as I live it. I know a bunch of people that sacrificed a lot in order to have a big payoff. And I think almost all of them regret some of the sacrifices that they made, which sucks. I, I think living a life so that you don't have regrets is probably a lot more important than how many millions you made by whatever age. Yeah, absolutely. What else might people take from this podcast? I don't know. I think as we get into the interviews, they're going to be super like free flowing and we'll just see where they take us. I think I'll try to do a good job of making sure we get to like practical. If there is a tactical lesson to be to be had or a tool or like something like that to get to, I'll try to make sure we get to it. I think there's a lot of just interesting stories, mindset stuff. As I get more comfortable doing podcasts, I think we'll have more fun. We'll be goofy and we'll be, it'll be a fun time. That's great. What about what we're doing in general? Why might people be interested in pod two? I haven't seen a company like it before. I'm sure there have been. I'm sure people have seen these same systemic problems that we've seen and tried to do the opposite of that before. But I feel like most of those people are sitting tranquilly somewhere, not talking about it too much. <laughs> or, or they've and, just been really unsuccessful. And yeah, totally <laughs> failed. We just haven't found that out yet. And we'll follow them to the grave. No, we'll see. No, I, I think, I don't know. I think it, it's just interesting to me. And our desire to not be bored also while we're doing this stuff, I think comes through and yeah. how we build the company. Cause one reason we don't do a lot of the things that most companies do is that if it's boring, like that's just awful. That's yeah, the opposite exactly. of happiness to me is apathetic boredom. It's an experiment. I think, I think we'll see where it goes. We're three and a half years in, holy shit, but it's working so far profitable since day one, minus a little bit of time during COVID but it's working so far and I'm interested to see where it goes. How do you feel like you've been able to deal with that balance of achievement and enjoyment personally? It's really hard. I think the first step was kind of deciding that that was important and deciding that, you know, 
I'm going to try to both be productive and effective and happy. It's something I struggle with every week, all the time. My wife and I were talking last night about exactly this kind of thing, mm -hmm. feeling real happy despite doing a whole bunch of stuff. Is it something that you would, do you just achieve then or is it continuous and you're, you're constantly going back to it? I think you, you kind of hone in, right? You get closer and closer yeah. to that harmony, right? When, when two things that you're trying to balance are, are out of balance, it's harder. But once you learn and start to predict and feel how things are starting to get out of balance, you can do things ahead of time. Like we were talking on, I think it was Friday, talking with Leslie about if I know that the next two weeks are going to be pretty grindy and not super creatively interesting things to do, it's tasks and stuff like that, then I'll bake in time to do things that are totally unproductive or fun right. or things like that to help just knock the edge off or carve out half a day to do fun work, right? So it's, I'll still be working, but something that I want to do, nothing that I have to do. And that was just something that you learned after going through not doing that kind of thing and, and learning that that's not the best way to approach work for you. Yeah, for sure. And it's different for everybody, but yeah, I noticed myself during a super like grindy period, I would get to a day where I want to work, but doing those four things that I have on my task list feels like a prison. Yeah. <laughs> so before I was aware of that, that would turn into procrastinating those things, doing other stuff and feeling bad about it and all that. But now I can realize like, Hey, I'm just feeling a little burned down. I need to do some stuff that feels like fun, but I still want to be productive. So it may not be the optimal thing to do right now on paper, but to keep me going, to keep me happy next week, then that's what I got to do. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I think there's been multiple points during my career where, like I said, everybody's focused on how productive can you possibly be? And yeah. this was probably before burnout was as big of a thing as it is. And I think we've come a long way in just awareness of what burnout actually is and that it's actually yeah. healthy to take breaks or not be working at 110% constantly. Yeah. Aside to that is the whole sprint model. I just think it's kind of funny where you sprint for two weeks and then you sprint for two weeks again, and then you sprint. I mean, <laughs> if, if a runner sprints like that, then they're going to pass out. So I feel like the whole idea of just go, go, go as, as fast as you possibly can, it, it does set a lot of people up for failure. So I do like calling out that you, you learn behaviors like that, where as you're mentally preparing for things, it's okay to take it easy when you're going into a big task list like that. Yeah. I think that's something I've learned too. This is a total tangent, but I heard a few weeks ago, there's a senior principal software engineer at one of the Fang companies, one of the big ones. And somebody asked him about agile methodology yeah. and he said, it's a waste of time. He said, it's a waste of time and just work. I mean, thinking about like project management and product management methodologies and all these structures and all of this stuff. I want to get your opinion on this. Do those just cover up and mitigate against bad communication or unhealthy dynamics in a team and stuff like that? Or Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. <laughs> I think a lot of them were meant to serve as guidelines and you obviously want to keep your team in check and make sure that there is good communication. Everybody's aware of what's going on and that kind of thing. There are a lot of ways to do that. I think some of the frameworks, they started off really simple and then we're kind of oversold to the point that it's kind of way beyond what the initial intentions were. It's just about how do we communicate effectively to make sure that we're not going down the totally wrong path. And I don't know, sometimes I think these things tend to go off the rails a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I've found with projects and stuff is anytime that it seems like a good idea to put really rigorous structure 
and details in place, it's usually a sign that the team doesn't actually work well together. And so you're making mm-hmm. up for that with a whole bunch of process that will keep things probably moving forward. But you know, if you could actually just get the team to work well together and communicate and with some light structure, then things would go a lot faster. So you're, you're kind of overcompensating for it in, in a way by layering on all these strict rules on top of it so that you have a communication framework. I think that is a, a good thing to get into at some point on this podcast is, you know, what kind of communication structures can work really well for organizations. I know what we do at pod two is kind of interesting. We prefer async communication by default. We have a big, we call it the second brain where we store all of our daily notes, what we're doing every day. We can take each other in that to communicate on certain topics, but it, I found that really, really useful. We don't really email at all internally in the company, which I know it's becoming a little bit more common now with things like Slack and things like that, where you just don't communicate by email anymore, but we also don't have a Slack. So our knowledge base is how we communicate primarily because Slack also kind of encourages synchronous communication where you can just ping somebody for the immediate response. Same thing with teams and all the other rooms out there. It's all just distracting as hell. Like the fact that the book and, and there's a guy, Craig Burgess on Twitter that had this idea originally that I saw said this, like the fact that there's a book called deep work where the guy basically describes sitting for more than an hour doing a thing. The fact that that exists is a sign that we really screwed up our focus and ability to like just do things because that book and Cal Newport, super awesome, all good things, but deep work is just work to me (laughs) and the distractions of the communication and all that stuff. I think people underestimate the cost of all that. Absolutely. I mean, at least for me, I've, I've found it to be a huge difference and I know from speaking with a lot of companies that they're kind of struggling with the same thing. They've replaced their email with Slack, but now they haven't received any kind of productivity gains from that. And yeah. it might might be because you're spending a lot of time dealing with notifications on Slack now instead of emails, but you're just trading well, one problem for another. Well, I mean, that, that's the that's the classic thing, right? Is if you if you speed up a bad process, you just do dumb things faster. So <laughs> I think, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of that going on with communication. Is there anything else you'd like to cover with this introduction? So we talked about our backgrounds, what pod two is and describe the podcast, what people are going to have to look forward to in future episodes and what they might get out of it. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up for this? There's a lot of stuff that we could go into and we think about, we're very intentional about what we're doing and there's a lot of really interesting stuff. I, I think we could go <laughs> on for for way too long. I do want to reiterate that we're doing this for one, because the people in our audience asked us to, they said like, Hey, you guys should start a podcast, even including some people that thought that we were a podcast company because of our name shows how good we are at marketing. But I think that like, that's one factor. The other one is we're doing this to try to be interesting and provide something that is helpful. I don't want to say value because that's the marketing bro, just like meme at this point is I want to provide value. Yeah. But I, I I want this to be interesting if nothing else. And I'm sure I'll learn things as we go about the podcast and interview people and, and all this stuff. But I want to hear from people what they think ought to happen in this space. Who do you want to hear from on the combination of happiness and work and achievement and joy and that kind of stuff. Who else is working on these balance kind of ideas? 
especially if they're not, like I said, as some kind of social media personality that already has their thoughts and, and everything online already. What's really interesting about this one, like we mentioned earlier, is a lot of the people are new to social media or they're just relatively unknown and, and we can bring them a voice with this podcast. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Some of the, the people that are on our guest list, they've advised the biggest companies in the world. They're worth a kajillion dollars and all this stuff, but they've also, some of these people never worked more than like 45 hours in a week, or they're the most laid back, like happy. And they were while they were doing all this stuff before they made their, their coin too. Those are the ones I'm really excited to share with people for sure. Yeah. That's super exciting. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Is there, is there anything else you want to say before we end this? No, that's it. Josh and I, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Pod2.co is our main website. We have an email list that we send things to sometimes. We'll get better about that, maybe. Or maybe we'll just keep saying that we'll get better about that forever. But super open to feedback, and we're going to experiment with this podcast thing, and we want to hear what, what you like, what you don't like, and all that stuff. So anybody that's listening, we really appreciate it. We're going to keep this thing going. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the first podcast episode, and tune in for more. Yeah, thanks for interviewing me, Josh. No problem. <laughs>